so exemplary, Mike, of how they want all of us injected. And they look at those of us, we might as well have little yellow ribbons on our shirt. They look at us as the unclean threat to society by not being injected with their democidal, um, you know, genetic modification till, kill shot. Welcome to the Health Ranger Report on Brighton.tv. I'm Mike Adams, the Health Ranger. Thank you for joining us today. You're going to love our guest, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. It seems like no one has done more research and more work on educating the public about what's going on with COVID vaccines and other vaccines than Dr. Tenpenny. She's an extraordinary individual, considered a, a, an angel, a true hero of humanity by so many people worldwide, millions. Her videos have been viewed millions of times on Brighton.com, different interviews, you know, different segments and so on. And this one is going to be just packed with information for you. I'm going to ask Dr. Tenpenny when we come back to, after this short break. I'm going to ask her about the DNA repair mechanisms being suppressed in cells due to the presence of the spike protein and also what she thinks about the so-called approval of vaccines for 5 to 11-year-olds in America and the vaccine injections have already begun. And are they even really vaccines? We'll ask those questions and much more when we return here on Brighton.tv. All right, welcome back, folks. Mike Adams here with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Her websites are drtenpenny.com, and that's D-R. We'll put it on screen for you. And also check out thechristianrevolution.net, which can uh, accept your donations if you'd like to support this work for humanity. Dr. Tenpenny, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor to have you on. Thank you so much, Mike. You know, like you said pre previously when we were speaking before the recording, we're both so busy. It's amazing that we can cross paths once in a while, but it never seems like it's often enough because um, people that have large platforms need to be out there supporting each other. So I'm, I'm happy to be here talking with you today. Well, I'm, I'm really grateful that you could take the time to spend with us. I know you're incredibly busy and people are still talking about your report, the 20 mechanisms of injury uh, from from vaccines and even the antibodies and so on. Now, could you tell us really how many mechanisms have you already seen? Because I know it's more than 20. What, what are you seeing now? It was interesting, Mike, that I spent months, and I mean literally months, and I tell people that I spent about 1,200 hours putting that first webinar together. I wasn't kidding. And I did it meticulously with research, knowing the scrutiny that it would be under to tear everything apart, like what they've been doing with every word that comes out of your mouth these days. And so I spent a lot of time and I put together this webinar on the 20 mechanisms of injury, how the COVID shots can make you sick and possibly kill you. And bad planning on my part, I did it on Mother's Day weekend. And so a lot of people said, oh man, I missed it. You know, I have other obligations and things like that. Could you do it again? And I said, sure. So we rescheduled it for July. And between May and July, I found 20 more mechanisms of injury. So right now I know that there's 40 mechanisms of injury of how these shots can make you sick or even kill you. And I honestly believe that if I spent another two or three months just digging through the more current literature, I think there would be more than 40. Um, there seems as though there's more and more coming out every day and it gets more and more egregious as time goes on because people, I always like to remind people that we have been giving these shots less than one year. I mean, the Moderna and the Pfizer shot came out in 2020 in December of 2020. So we're just barely 10 months into this massive experiment. And the J and J shot came out in February of this year. So we're talking eight months or so, but yet people want specific information, specific answers, specific solutions. What about this? How long does the spike protein last? How long does the antibody last? If I've actually had COVID, how long am I immune? What happens if I come in contact with someone who's been vaccinated and I not? How long do they keep transmitting? Well, we don't know. And why don't we know? Nobody's doing any research on it. You know, there's a thing in research, Mike, where they say you can't find what you're not looking for and you don't go looking for things you don't want to find. And so they, they don't know. They don't want to know how long it lasts because if the end, if they find out about the different types of spoke bike proteins that are out there, then we would have literally caught them with their hands in the cookie jar with lots of different recipes. So that's a long-winded way of saying there's at least 40, four zero, and quite possibly endless more if, if that would fall into the four categories of injury that we've defined. I, I'm so grateful that 
you dedicated that time to do that research and, and just can people get this webinar from you now? I mean, can they get it after the fact? How do they, how do, they do that? Because I know people are going to be interested. Yeah, the webinar is still available, both both part one, the 20 mechanisms of injury and part two, which is 20 more mechanisms of injury that we briefly went over the first 20 and then went and uh, took a deep dive on the second 20. Everything that I do, Mike, is all buttoned up under drtenpenny.com. So our podcast, which is the Tenpenny Files, all of our eBooks, our supplement store, our apparel store, I mean, everything that we have. And I have to put a plug here. I love our t-shirts. I just love them. <laughs> so I think they're, they're just really great. And there's all kinds of other swag. They're like, you know, cups and things like that, that you can get, but everything, including being able to purchase you know, the uh, the uh, 20 Mechanisms of Injury ebook and also the webinars are available underneath the shop button at drtenpenny.com. All right, fantastic. Now, uh, getting to those mechanisms, uh, we're, we're only going to be able to scratch the surface here today, but I, I've seen now an analysis of VE, vaccine effectiveness, uh, just came out today on the expose.uk uh, website, which has done some very interesting reporting that current vaccine effectiveness is minus 73%. So it does not offer any, any protection because it's waning so much. It may have offered protection initially, but that has waned so much. It's minus 73%. And then I've also seen now uh, myocarditis, uh, you know, it's happened. It's in emergency rooms, uh, kids, young people in emergency rooms all across, not just America, but in the UK, in Israel, in Australia, around the world, flooded with these these victims. And I was on the American Heart Association website today, ahajournals.org, a study that they published myocarditis achieves 56% mortality in 4.3 years. And for another type of myocarditis, which is I think called giant cell myocarditis, it's 80% mortality in five years. What are, I mean, how can, how can we be observing this? Myocarditis is affecting so many people, and we know it's going to be fatal for a lot of these people, and yet the entire medical establishment denies that this has anything to do with vaccines. It's absolutely mind-numbing because it's like the that is the $64 million question. I mean, how can it be? I mean, when you listen to people like Dr. Peter McCullough, who say that by... We released these shots in December of 2020, and by March of 2021, two months of use, we had enough data to pull them off the market then. And now we're a year and a half, we're a year and a half, uh, 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 10 months further into this with 10,000 more people. I mean, with, with, we're 10, let me restate that. We're 10 more months into this with millions of more people being injected. And now we dropped it into teenagers. Now we're dropping it into five-year-olds. And we, the study that came out of Pittsburgh, um, out of Pittsburgh, out of the Salk Institute, uh, I think it was probably July or so of this year that said that um, they unequivocally knew that the spike protein itself, irrespective of virus, just the spike protein itself was, was causing endothelial damage in the heart muscle, which is the lining of the blood vessels, direct damage to heart muscle, and that um, it was causing ongoing, ongoing damage. And we can measure that in troponin levels, which is a blood test. And when we, when I pulled up the VAERS database, Mike, that showed, I was looking at, this was uh, about six weeks ago now, I mean, time is so compressed, of the almost 600 young people that had been severely injured or killed by these shots with heart damage, one of the people, when a 16-year-old had suffered, had experienced cardiac rupture. And when I sent that to Peter McCullough and I said, cardiac rupture in a teenager? I mean, Peter, when does this ever, how can this ever happen? What happened? And he said, well, the, the, the messenger RNA inside of the Pfizer shots continues to dr literally drill holes into the heart muscle itself to where it becomes so weak that the muscle just gives out and just ruptures. And wow. we know now that we know that, um, and, and, you know, just to back up to the 40 mechanisms of injury, you know, Mike, I've divided that into four categories. The first category is immediate death, like Tom Rents and his 45,000 people that died within three days of getting a shot and more than 50,000 seniors that died within two weeks of getting a shot. So what are those immediate deaths? They are heart attacks, strokes, blood clots to the lungs, anaphylactic shock. 
So people die within minutes to hours to just a few days of getting the shot. That's category one. So a lot of people might think, well, I got a shot and I'm just fine. Well, category two is what the spike protein can do to you. It can punch holes in your blood brain barrier and cause various types of dementia and brain dysfunction. It can cause direct damage to the heart. Like we've been talking about, it can cause direct damage to your lungs, can cause multi-organ internal damage and actually um, inflammation to any internal organ, including your liver, your kidneys, your pancreas, which can cause liver failure, renal failure, or insulin dependent diabetes. So there's about 12 different mechanisms that the spike protein can cause itself. Infertility, it can attach to the ovaries and the sperms. It can cause rashes. The list goes on and on and on. Category three is the antibody that develops to the spike protein. The antibody itself can cross-react with at least 28 different known tissue types, causing autoimmune reactions and long-term autoimmune disability through molecular mimicry. And that is one of the reasons why, and I'll just plug this in here, why, um, um, microsomal, why uh, monoclonal antibodies are so dangerous because they are a short term solution to a potential long-term problem. Yes, it can neutralize the virus. If you've been infected, it can neutralize the spike proteins. If you've been, had a, a, a transmission event, it's a short term solution, but just like a whole lot of this other things, we don't know how long those monoclonal antibodies last. And if they only last for three months, what damage do they do in that interim period of time to those at least 28 different organ types in your body, including your mitochondria, including your lung tissue and all of those things. So injecting the shots creates spike proteins that, is, that can kill you now and in the future. The antibodies to the spike proteins can kill you now or in the future. Why would anybody take a dose of monoclonal antibodies to feel better faster if it could potentially kill you down the road. And then category four is all these other types of autoimmune dysfunctions and the cancer causing problems that I think is something that you wanted to talk about. But before we get there, I saw a study yesterday and I regret, I don't recall which journal it is, but I have the link. And it talked about the non-structured proteins that are part of the genome of SARS-CoV-2, uh, NSP2, NSP5, NSP7, and so on. And the study was absolutely shocking because it said that the presence of these non-structured proteins, which are fragments, right, uh, uh, of essentially what is the whole virus, these fragments alter the permeability of vascular tissues. I thought, what? It alters the permeability? And I read a study and it said, yes, it changes it from, you know, what it calls an opaque lining, like a vascular lining, to a semi-permeable lining. And I'm thinking, how is this possible? Because you were just talking about drilling holes in heart tissue. And now suddenly that, uh, you know, I'm connecting those dots and it's like, this is crazy. You're, you're... It's like with, with, when you're in, with your initial question, when you said, how many mechanisms do we have now? Uh, you know, we're only 10 months into this. Um, several of the epidemiologists and immunologists that I spoke to earlier this summer about these mechanisms of injury, and they, you know, said, Sherry, we are in deep trouble. You know, the cardiologists out of Canada, Dr. Beidel and, you know, Dr. McCullough are saying, you know, this ongoing heart damage is going to cause massive deaths of congestive heart, uh, congestive heart failure, cardiomyopathy. Like you initially said, those studies of, car of myocarditis within the next three to four years, everybody that's gotten these shots is going to be dying of heart disease and so, including teenagers and six-year-olds. And so we've got that. And so now we're fine as we go on and we look at more and more and more damage of what this bioweapon has done. People don't understand that this is a bioweapon. This is a um, they've come after us with something through a needle. And we've been conditioned since the 50s and the 1960s that war is when when bombs are falling out of bellies of planes or when people are, are, are shooting guns down the street or rolling hand grenades or, you know, Navy ships are bombing you or something like that. That's war. People don't understand that this is a bigger, more deadly type of war. And many of the immunologists, as I was saying, said that, well, 
it's not just the first three years, Sherry. We, we've, we're in trouble for the next 10 to 15 years, maybe forever. Every single person that's gotten one of these shots is always going to have to look over their shoulder of what type of illness or disease is going to be developing in the future. This is what has really struck home, even in my own research and writing over the last couple of weeks, is how the immune system is disabled by these so-called vaccines, how cancer growths are accelerated. And then we have this, this new finding that the DNA repair mechanism called uh, what non-homologous end joining, NHEJ, is suppressed uh, by, by the, the, the spike protein, the, the mRNA instructions, which invade the nucleus of, of the cell. And so, as you know, there's, there's no complex life form on the planet, not animals, not plants, that can uh, maintain genomic viability if they can't repair broken DNA. So we're talking about attacks on the very basis of genetic integrity, which is the, it's the continuation of, of life. It is, because um, just so people understand, you know, we get damaged DNA all the time. You know, if you go spend a day in your bikini uh, on, or in your in your boxer shorts, your little bikini, men's wear little bikini, it's too, on a beach from sunup to sundown, that sunshine, that intense UVB lights um, will go in and cause genetic damage. It will break down some of your uh, of your DNA in your skin, on your cells and in other organs, too. And and it's OK because we've got this God-given repair system that if it's healthy, um, your toll-like receptors see these abnormal things floating around and, and, and make them go away. Toll-like receptors um, look at viruses, bacteria, flagellin, flagellated bacteria, neutralize them, make them go away, damage DNA. I mean, I've said it for years and I know you have too, Mike. We said we create cancer cells every single minute of every single day. We just do living life. You know, the food that we eat, if you fall down and hurt yourself, if you're in a car accident, we have genetic and um, uh, chromosomal damage that happens all the time. Which is chemical exposure, common products. We've got exactly. all of these things. And so we've got this God-given repair system that goes along. It's like, knock, knock, knock. Here's the repair man. I'm here to fix your genes. Well, now what these shots are doing, when the, when the repairman goes knock, knock, knock on the door, they go, thank you. We don't need you. Go away. And they're not allowed into the cells that have been damaged to repair them. There's a blockade that goes up on your cells, on your nucleus in your cells that do not allow the repairmen to come in and fix it. So what does that mean? That means all these cancer cells that we create all day long for whatever reason are eventually going to set up shop and we're going to see a massive explosion in cancer. We've also know that that the CD8 cells are like a lid on a boiling pot of water. It keeps cancer in check. So people that are in remission or have slow growing tumors like prostate cancer, that the slow growing. Now, suddenly the CD8 cells, the, that complex of CD8 cells keeps that lid on it. Well, what these shots do is it, it, it takes away the CD8 cells, the lid comes off and boom, we have an explosion of controlled cancer that now becomes wild, goes metastatic, and is resistant to any form of treatment. So just to summarize what you said, because it's critical that people understand this, we all have microtumors. We all have cancerous cells. They're normally kept in check by various mechanisms of the immune system. And a lot of that's dependent on, uh, of course, good nutrition and lack of stress, lack of inflammation as well. They're environmental factors. But now... The people who are receiving these mRNA vaccines, they are experiencing, according to this, this one study that I was writing about, up to 90% suppression of the repair mechanism for what are called double-strand breaks. Those are the, 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 the severing of your chromosomes, the, the, the most severe type of, of break uh, that you might get from ionizing radiation, you know, taking a stroll through Fukushima or what have you. So that is 90% suppressed. So that means that people's microtumors are going to grow, essentially, you could say 10 times faster than they had before. Where do you think, this is my question to you, Dr. Tenpenny, where do you think this is going to put us then? I mean, cancer deaths right now in America are typically about 500,000 a year, roughly. We're already seeing emergency rooms being overrun by people, mostly with blood clots and, and myocarditis and conditions like that. 
we've seen uh, a doctor, Ryan Cole, I think out of Idaho, reporting on what he, he said was a 20 times increase in, I think he said, in, was it endothelial? Endometrial, can oh, endometrial can cancers, yes. So where do you think we're headed? <laughs> you just explained it, Mike. I mean, we've got cardiovascular disease. We've got all kinds of neurological complications and problems. I did an interview last week with Dr. Russell Blaylock who we all know and care about and known for a really long time. He's a retired neurosurgeon. Um, and we spent a lot of time talking about what the micro um, clot, the microscopic clotting effect is going to do to the brains of these young children. We've all, we also talked about um, glioblastomas, he said, which is the most aggressive and difficult to treat types of brain cancer in children that he said, we're going to see mass, we're likely seeing, going to see massive amounts of it. He said, when we, if we thought that the autism epidemic was bad, we've not seen anything yet until we start massively vaccinating or injecting, not vaccinating, injecting these COVID shots into five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old children. We're all, and I also asked him, which I thought was really profound. I asked him about the central venous thrombosis, you know, and the, the blood clottings that were happening and were being reported in the brain um, of just your, your whole venous clotting system inside of your brain just gets clots off and you just die. So as a practicing neurosurgeon that had been in practice for 26 years, I said, so Dr. Blaylock, have you, have you seen some of these? He said, oh, I think I saw two or three of them while I was in practice. And while we were doing the interview, I looked it up um, while he was speaking in the interview and I looked it up and I think there were over 600 of these central venous thrombosis and transverse thrombosis clots that have re been reported in the last 10 months in America alone. And I said, Dr. Blaylock, doesn't that blow you away? You saw, I said, let's be generous and say you saw 10 of those in 26 years. Now we've seen over 600 in 10 months. He said, it blows me away. But what's extraordinary about this, and it's, it's very frightening what, what you just laid out. And it, it's colliding with the fact that the nurses and healthcare workers with natural immunity are being fired from the medical system. So they are engineering a shortage of medical personnel as we are plunging into what looks like it's going to be just an unfathomable burden, uh, demand. I mean, I, I can, I mean, they're already putting patients in, in hallways right now in ERs across America. That was reported by NPR. Okay. You go into the emergency room, uh, you get put in a lazy boy chair in the hallway. Uh, ambulances are being staged outside. Like they show up with a person with an emergency and they're told to wait for hours. Okay. That's happening now. <laughs> Where are we going to be in the middle of, you know, February or March? When we have, when everybody gets their flu shot and we start injecting, you know, adventitious coronaviruses into people from um, flu shots so that they get antibody dependent enhancement, they get autoimmune multi-organ system failure. I mean, it, when the, the doctors and nurses that have come clean and told the truth about who's in the hospital, who's loading up the emergency departments, who's loading up the intensive care, you know, Mike, I've been saying in a lot of the broadcasts that I've been doing in my in my podcast, which is the Tenpenny Files, that you can find at drtenpenny.com, this word democide. You know, we talk about genocide a lot. You know, genocide is, for the listeners, genocide is like killing off a particular set of people, like killing off all the Blacks or killing off the Jews or killing off the American Indians or deciding you're going to kill all white women. I mean, that would be genocide. What democide is, and I want to briefly read just really quick. This is a, a definition right off of Wikipedia. And you can go and read this and you can read it in other places too. Now, believe me, I don't think Wikipedia is the best reference source like ever, but it's usually pretty quick and it's pretty good with definitions usually. So democide is a concept uh, proposed by a U.S. political scientist, Rudolf Rummel, who described the intentional killing of an unarmed or disarmed person by government agents acting in their authoritative capacity and pursuant to government policy or high command. According to Rummel, this definition covers a wide range of deaths, including forced labor in concentration camps. Oh, we've been talking about camps, right? 
killing the unofficial killings by unofficial private groups. Oh, I think that would be like maybe Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Um, extrajudicial summary killings and mass deaths due to governmental acts of criminal omission or neglect, such as deliberate famines, as well as killings by de facto governments in their capacity. The definition covers any murder of any number of persons by any government. And to me, that is exactly what we're seeing. You know, the CDC in their government capacity, Anthony Fauci in his government capacity, each of our governors in our respective states in their capacity, the, the complicit, lazy, ignorant physicians in all of their capacity, that they're not willing to look at what they're doing and how they are complicit in what's happening with these patients. They're, and if they are operating, if they belong to in, in the government doctors, the, um, the military doctors who are saying, yes, you know, we're definitely going to get enough, enough people uh, vaccinated with this shot so that we can have enough data points to analyze it. This is democide, Mike. And so where are we going to be uh, we're going to be millions upon millions upon millions less people a year from now than where we are right now. All right, uh, Dr. Tenpenny, uh, stay with us here. I need to wrap this up for Brighttown.tv and we'll continue with the extended conversation. So for those of you watching, uh, thank you so much for watching this here on Brighttown.tv. Be sure to visit Dr. Tenpenny's website, drtenpenny.com for all of this uh, and, and the, uh, the course, the 20 uh, mechanisms of, of vaccine injury and so on. Uh, check it all out there. Spread the word. Thank you for watching today. The extended conversation continues on my channel on brighteon.com. Take care. All right, we're now into the extended conversation. Dr. Tenpenny, again, thank you for your, your patience. Now, I'm, I'm very familiar with this concept that you were just talking about, democide. Uh, I'm familiar with the research. Uh, 262 million people have been uh, killed by governments in the 20th century. I believe that's out of the University of Hawaii. And that may be the same researcher that you were just, just citing there, or it might be a different one, I'm not sure. But what they're doing now could kill billions of people, billions, right? So we're talking an order of magnitude greater than what has been carried out in all of the government crimes against humanity throughout the entire 20th century, which was a very bloody, right, 100 years, a very bloody time with all the wars and everything that, that went on. So... Yet, as you mentioned, in the past, they killed people with bullets or in, in the Nazi era, you know, Zyklon B. So that's when they were getting into the chemical weapons and the pharmaceutical giants, IG Farben. Now they've put weapons against humanity into a needle. <laughs> I just got to say, may God save us, you know? We need to pray for intervention here because they could kill billions right now and they're going after the children, which means they're going after the sustainability of the human race at this point. Who's, who's going to be left to procreate? What do you think? Um, I sadly couldn't agree with you more. I mean, who's going to be left? I mean, there were, there was a couple of guys I believe in San Francisco, who actually were trying to set up a dating app for those who were not injected and they got swooped in upon and um, put in jail. They were considered to be a risk. They were a, a risk to humanity by trying to connect unvaccinated people. What? Wait, That's wait a true second. story. This happened. They got arrested. Yeah, they got arrested. They ended up in jail. For, for what? What's the what's the crime? What's the, the charge? The charge was that because they were trying to set up a dating app for un, 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 for, for individuals who had not been injected by the COVID-19 shot. But wait a minute. In California, in California, it's legal to have HIV and give it to someone else. Right? Because I mean, it's the craziness of the world. And it's so exemplary, Mike, of how they want all of us injected. And they look at those of us. We might as well have little yellow ribbons on our shirt. They look at us as the unclean threat to society by not being injected with their democidal, um, you know, genetic modification till, kill shot. 
And, you know, the new OSHA rules that just came out a couple of days ago, we talked about it last night. I do a webinar on Thursday night with Dr. Larry Pilevsky. We do it every night, every Thursday night. It's called Critically Thinking with Dr. T and Dr. P. And we were talking about this, about this um, 490 page rule, OSHA rule. And I wanted to, I put that into perspective for people. I said, if you go to the store to buy a ream of paper, one package of paper that you're going to take home and put in your home printer, that is 500 pages. If you think about that's 500 pages, this rule written by somebody in OSHA or some committee of people in OSHA is 490 pages long, double columns, single spaced, front and back. I mean, this is unbelievable. The rumor is, too, that OSHA is going to expand that beyond just employers with 100 or more employees. They're going to try to uh, push this onto every employer across America. And I'll just tell you right now, we are absolutely not going to comply with this. There's no way. But there are 24 states now, attorneys general, have joined the lawsuits against this. Uh, As I understand it, the deadline for compliance has been pushed back to January 4th, I believe, right? And then there are also probably hundreds of lawsuits from employers right now, uh, like Daily Wire, for example, is suing uh, over this, but there are no doubt hundreds more across America suing over this. You know, if, if, if this rule is not overturned, it means the government owns your body. It means slavery. This is a total return of slavery. And it's, um, And part of one of the sentences that was in there that I read it and the defender, you know, Bobby Kennedy's newsletter said that um, there will be no exemptions for those who have previously had COVID and have a positive SARS-CoV-2 antibody with natural immunity. There will be no exceptions, which means they probably won't accept religious exemptions either. There'll be no exceptions for and for medical exemptions to say that I'm immune. I don't need this shot. But Let's get down to the big, big question. Now, you, maybe nine, 10 months ago, you started predicting antibody-dependent enhancement as a, as a possible phenomenon. You've been proven correct. This is now what's happening. I mean, this is just the leading edge, I believe, but it, it's beginning to appear. Hospitals are being overrun, ERs overrun all around the world, uh, especially in the high vaccination cities and nations, right? Vaccination wave, then you have this antibody-dependent enhancement Uh, happening and other side effects. So you've been proven correct there. My question to you is, this is, what is the ultimate goal? Because obviously governments don't care about public health. If they cared about public health, you know, they would have spoken out against GMOs and pesticides. You know, they would have addressed vitamin D deficiency, a thousand other things that they could have talked about, or even just sodium nitrite in bacon, for God's sake, you know, or bisphenol A in food packaging. There's a thousand issues. They don't care. This one, this, this is the only issue that they deem so important to force it into your blood, no matter what. Why are they doing this? What's behind it? Well, in my opinion, after, you know, reading, you know, Klaus Schwab's book, you know, The Great Reset, and spending a little bit of time on the World Economic Forum website, which when all this stuff first came out in March of 2020, Mike, you know, I spent a fair amount of time there and I had to limit it because it was so nauseating and just made you so sick of all of what they were planning to do to every industry and for that so that they could reset the world and redesign it. And by quote, the way the way that we the way that we want it to be, which begs the question, who is we? And who are these nefarious three? I've heard from other sources that there are about 38 people in charge of all of this and that they are, it's not about even about money anymore. It's about control. It's about looking at all of us because they are Luciferian Satanists and they look at the human beings as nothing more than bugs and spiders that they can smack them and stamp on them. And it doesn't matter. And I and insert into that, you know, sinister cackle laugh, you know, while they're watching people being tortured and torturing children and doing, you know, they're the, the human traffickers, the pedophiles, the people that drink adrenochrome. I mean, all of those people, they are Luciferian Satanists. And because 
The love of my, all money is the root of evil. They are able to buy off anybody because they have an endless supply of it. And they can buy people off by directly putting money in their pocket or by blackmail, catching them in compromising situations that their wife or their husband would really never, ever want to see them in. And so they are enjoying this, certainly enjoying watching the suffering, the death, the uh, despicable things they're going to do to children and pregnant women. And anybody who survives it will now be moved into the transhumanism movement that they will, as they inject these things and have artificial intelligence inside and however they can be controlled from the outside, whether it's by 5G or something that looks like an Xbox control or whatever that is, the survivors will be controlled completely. They want to eliminate humans. There's your sense of humanity and how you connect with people by seeing them because you can no longer see them with a mask on. You can no longer feel them. And all the businesses that say, we have a touchless checkout system. Thank you for letting me know. I will never patronize your business. You know, um, you don't you don't want to touch anybody. You don't want to get close to anybody. All of this is is the decimation of humanity. And quite frankly, my recent studies have taken, you know, all the have taken me back to all the biblical works starting from Genesis 6, which is right after the, the flood that they call the post-Diluvian era, that right after the flood, after Noah, Noah had three sons. His one son named Ham gave birth to another son named Cush, who gave birth to, a in his young, elder years, a young boy named Nimrod. And Nimrod was who built Babylon, built the Babylonian mystery schools, was by all means of the Sumerian texts say that Nimrod was the first transhuman that had interfaced with uh, goats and that had built the Tower of Babel or the Tower of Babel, however you like to pronounce it. And that was where the worship of Baal and the, the worship of, the, of Moloch with the child sacrifice all came out of those era. And that has continued ever since that period of time, right after the flood. And, and, it, and the Babylonian mystery schools have just gotten stronger. And it, as it says in the Bible, that the end times will be as in the days of Noah. Well, what does that really mean? It meant that people got more evil and more evil. And all they could think about was pure evil and just take a look around. And you look at what's actually happening, except for the remnant, those who don't think evil, but they're look at everywhere else. Look at what's happening and what they're doing and suppressing and look at the police, look at all these different people. And this all, and when they say they want a new world order, they don't. What they want is a resurgence of the mystery schools of the actual most evil satanic of the watchers that were on this planet. They want to eliminate humanity. They want to take God out of our genes, God out of our, out of our life. That's one of the reasons they shut down the churches. They wouldn't let us congregate and pray and sing in the worst disaster that we've had in a long time is because that's where this is headed. The real battle is really good versus evil. It's all about Genesis six, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter six. It talks about, we don't fight powers. We don't fight men, human against human, but powers and principalities of this evil darkness. And it all sources back to Genesis 6 through 11. And I believe that that's where we are at this point in time in humanity. Well, you've gone deep down the rabbit hole here, obviously, and you've really brought up a lot of core truth. And I think our, our viewers agree with everything that you just said, because this, this goes beyond, this isn't just profit greed by the drug companies, although they are raking in profits. That's just a side effect of the real agenda which appears to be global depopulation. The extermination of the human race appears to be their goal. Now, what I wanna ask you about this, and we're coming up on, on the end of this interview, um, but I appreciate all the time you spent with this. Even two years ago, and I've known you for many, many years, two years ago, you never would have been talking about democide, genocide, depopulation, any of this, but it's not just you. It's also so many doctors today, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, for example, Dr. Richard Fleming, and a long, long list of other people. They came to this same conclusion, not by just talking to each other, not by getting a common memo. None of us got a memo. We came to these conclusions independently by looking at the facts, by studying what's happening and asking the question that we have to force ourselves to ask what would be the motive behind the things we're seeing. 
the motive has to be a motive of, of mass death. So then my question to you, Dr. Tenpenny, is do you think they will succeed? Or how, to what extent do you think they will succeed? Will they be stopped? I guess that's the, uh, the question of the hour, isn't it, Mike? I mean, isn't that the most important question? You know, I, I go back also to, you know, I'm a strong Christian. And as of January 2020, I became a very strong, completely dedicated, very vocal and public Christian, you know, because, um, you know, Jesus says that if you're not willing to confess me before men, then I will not confess you before my father in heaven. So I think that those that have Jesus in their heart, it's important to talk about it and to talk about what's actually happening. And I think that it goes back. I think about like second Chronicles 214 that starts out if, which is a conjecture, if my pe my people, God's people, not the rest of the atheists, agnostics, you know, those people, if my people humble themselves and pray, seek my face, then I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sins, implying that you ask for forgiveness for these bad decisions you made, such as getting the shot, and then I will heal their land. And so all of us say, pray for America, pray for safeties, pray for, well, did you do the other things? If, did you do those conjecture things at the beginning before we get to God bless America and God save America and God stop this and God stop that? Did we do the things that we were supposed to do? And so can we stop this? I don't know. If this has been predicted for 2000 years, can we change the timeline? I believe that we can. I think if we humble ourselves and pray and put God on the playing field, because we're not going to be able to do this human to human. We're outnumbered. What? We're out strategized. We're out moneyed. We're out powered. We're out manipulated. We're out all of that. But with God, all things are possible. And if we don't put God on the playing field and in the middle of what this battle is all about, you know, we think of, we talk frequently about the story of David and Goliath. Well, David actually had to pick up a stone and throw it, right? And so all the people that are sitting around waiting for somebody to do something, if you're not participating and not sharing this information, not getting out and talking to your, your local professionals, not taking your kids out of school, not starting a group to, to uh, get together and have a Bible study or learn how to do canning together, or how to be a prepper together, or learn how to garden together. If you're not doing something to create a new society and participate, then you're part of the problem. You are being complicit by just being a, a, an observer waiting for somebody else to happen. You know, I had a conversation last night with, um, with Pam Popper, Pam Popper, Dr. Pam Popper. She was our guest on our happy hour last night, which was just amazing. And she was saying that after world war II, when they, there was some surveys that were done of people who lived in the neighborhoods around Auschwitz and that they knew that they were burning bodies because the smell and the stench was unmistakable and that they suffered the most of anybody because they stood by and did nothing. And they knew that this was happening. And so by now, after two years of everything that you've exposed and I've exposed and the disinformation doesn't have exposed and the five doctors have exposed and all the other big podcasters that are out there that have been exposing, if people are still sitting back and saying, oh, I'll just take a shot. Where do you draw the line? When do well, you decide yeah. enough is enough? That, that's a, it's a key question, but th there's something else coming that, that, people won't be able to dismiss and that's food scarcity it's famine and so you know the four horsemen of the apocalypse one of them is famine right and uh, i've been doing a lot of research on this lately the fertilizer production is being shut down worldwide okay it's happening behind the scenes uh, the big producers like cf industries have shut down plants in europe and in the united states and german fertilizer shut down australia shut down and it's all because the fossil fuels are being squeezed. You know, the, you, you know, the, the Haber process in chemistry that converts, you know, uh, hydrocarbons into ammonia uh, and using nitrogen from the air. And that process feeds 3.8 billion people. Okay. W you know, w without the, either the natural gas or methane feeding into that process and creating ammonia based fertilizers, which is nitrogen fixing fertilizer without that, you starve half the world half the population and mostly by the way in developing nations that has begun i'm telling you and and you know 
you go out and watch videos of uh, Ice Age Farmer as well. He and I are on the same page. The harvest of 2022 is going to be disastrous already. You, it, it's, you, can't, you can't fix it now because the fertilizer is not being produced. So we're looking at end times signals with uh, plague, you know, economic collapse, war, and, and famine. There you go. And even the Bible, the Bible says a third of the population gone. That's right. That's right. It was like 2.5 billion people, something in that range, or a little bit more. So very difficult times. But uh, Dr. Tenpenny, I I know we could talk for hours and probably freak people out even more. But the the truth is, (laughs) no, we're we're just getting started here, actually. Um, It's just the warm up round, folks. Um, Get prepared. All right. And Dr. Tenpenny, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart and thank you from our audience to you. You are loved. You are an angel. You are so needed right now. Please, please stay on the path of what you're doing right now. It's so critical for humanity. And I, I will do the same. And uh, we, we need you more than ever. Thank you so much, Mike. I think that that's really important to hear. And thank you for saying that. And I, and I think I can speak for a lot of us who are on the front lines of this that we're constantly getting beat up and attacked every day from various different sources. And, you know, that somebody said this to me and I thought it was a good visual to sort of end on with this. They said, when you are a leader and you're strapped to the bow of the boat, you know, maybe an icebreaker, you're strapped to the bow of the boat, cut going through all of that. You have no idea the size of the wake that's happening behind you. And I think that that's a, a good way to sort of think about it. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for inviting me to be a, a guest on your show here today. I think it's really, really a, um, just a blessing to be here. And, you know, we didn't get to talk about the ChristianRevolution.net. And I think that we just need to, at the end here, talk about something positive. If we got another minute or two. Yeah, go for it. You know, the ChristianRevolution.net got started from a group of us sitting around going, who's funding good things? We got billions and trillions of dollars trying to kill us off and all the things that we've just been talking about for the last hour. Who's doing something good for people who are trying to do good? Well, we're going to do that. So out of that was the formation of thechristianrevolution.net. And you have to put the in front of it, T-H-E, thechristianrevolution.net, that we're raising money. We're we're not a 501c3. We're actually a for-profit company, and that gives us more latitude without government oversight to be able to donate and to fund good projects. And so we're looking, uh, if you go to our website, you'll see all the things that we support. The P- We've already started um, supporting legal action against school boards and against, um, uh, uh, there's a church that we're taking, a, a Catholic church that we're taking action against at the request of the parishioners that there's a Catholic church in a state where the priest is requiring you to be vaccinated to get communion. And we've got a a thousand parishioners that want to stand up and and fight against that. We're taking action against a bunch of different uh, uh, lawsuits. So the lawfare is already underway. We're largely supporting Tom Rents and all of the different courses that he's doing. But we're also looking to support people who are entrepreneurs that are starting some great things. Like um, I was talking, I I ran into someone at the Truth About Cancer event that they were um, starting a hydroponics business and they wanted to do it inside of a, a tank of a container unit so that you could do it any time of the year and they could sell it to uh, put it into like church parking lots and the church people could go in and teach the younger people how to garden and the fruits that come out of the whole hydroponic uh, fruits and vegetables could be shared for free with all of the people inside of the church talking about uh, food shortages. And all they were missing was about $30,000 in capital to get this whole thing started. And so these are other types of projects that we want to be able to fund because think of the down the the down uh, downstream benefits of that, Mike. And so when you're looking, so not only are we looking to sue people, yes, there's plenty of that going on and we want to do more of it because it's not so much, because when we just file, we win because it shows that we are fighting back. We're not just going to stand down and take it. But if you go to thechristianrevolution.net, see what we're doing, donate to support our cause. The cool thing about being an LLC, Mike, and not in the way that it's set up is that we're going to take about 15% of the money that comes in for basic operational costs, 
payroll costs, you know, business expenses. And then we are compelled to give away the other 85% because if we don't give it away, the principals have to pay taxes on it. So unlike a 501c3 that only has to give away 10% of their money every year and the rest of it can go to their board of directors or their CEO or their bigger building, we are compelled to give away 85% of the money that comes through the door in grants um, that are in, in a grant format um, so that you can go out and do good things for humanity. So um, that's a good, upbeat, happy thing to end on is thechristianrevolution.net is going to do great things for humanity. We're looking for a million Christians to put in a hundred bucks and go so that we now have for the first time ever working capital to support good things for humanity. And, to, and as we're creating a new society, we have to have people who are willing to step into the gap and we want to be part of that. All right. Well, that is great news. And, and thank you so much, Dr. Tenpenny, for sharing that. The website is thechristianrevolution.net. And check it out, folks, and consider supporting it, especially as you get into the year end here. And maybe you've got some extra money and you want to know where to put it to help humanity. This is a very important uh, organization to consider. So thank you, Dr. Tenpenny. It's, it's been just eye-opening, fascinating, as always. I hope you come back soon. Let's do this again. And... Um, just blessings to you and uh, your family as, as, as we enter this dark winter, you know, we, we got to make it through, but thank you for all your time. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And for those of you watching, thank you for your time. I hope you found this interview, well, inform, informational, we'll say, and uh, feel free to repost it. Okay. So you can repost it on Brighton or BitChute or other platforms and just give credit to Dr. Tenpenny and uh, you're, you're helping us spread the word. So thank you for watching. I'm Mike Adams, the founder of Brighton. Take care now. Survival Nutrition is our new free audiobook that you can download right now from survivalnutrition.com. In this nearly eight hour audiobook, you will learn life-saving secrets of how to use food, nutrients, plant molecules, trace minerals, and chemical compounds to save your life, even in a total collapse scenario. I'm Mike Adams, the Health Ranger, and I'm the author of Survival Nutrition. I founded and run a multi-million dollar food science laboratory, and I'm the author of the best-selling science book, Food Forensics. I'm also a prepper, a patriot, and a survivalist. I can teach you how to survive what's coming by growing your own food, medicine, and antibiotics that can help keep you healthy and alive even during the worst of times. At survivalnutrition.com, you'll be able to instantly download the full free audiobook as MP3 files. Keep a copy of all these files on your local hard drive and print out the full guide just in case we lose the power grid. Survivalnutrition.com